What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain before we dive into this podcast just want to give you a heads up of all the cool things we have going on, this is the last week to register for the Aubrey Marcus weekend. We got all the best coaches, Kyle Kingsbury, Aaron Alexander, Christine Hassler, Whitney Miller, myself, Duncan Trussell's going to stop by. Hopefully, Dr. Chris Ryan's going to stop by, depending on whether his van makes it back from Mexico or not. But it's going to be an amazing weekend, a lot of transformational practices, a lot of discussions, and the opportunity to build tribe, build tribe with us coaches, build tribe with your fellow people it's going to be awesome it's out on the beach in santa monica at the lowe's hotel and if you're interested at all check it out aubreymarcus.com slash weekend so that's going to be amazing and then of course there's the next step the escalation of that which is a full year-long program called the fit for service mastermind and we already have 60 people who are there and that's one of the most exciting things because everybody goes through a application process for this fit for service mastermind to create you know a fellowship of people who can really advance themselves and therefore advance their families and eventually the world to that next level and we have you know hedge fund managers and martial arts instructors and pro athletes and just the group that we've been able to put together is phenomenal and i'm of course going to be able to leverage all of my best friends and coaches you know even people like jp that you're hearing on this podcast you know we haven't figured out the details but there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to make an appearance and stop in and this is something that i think a lot of people can get behind so it's really about taking you to the next level of what you're capable so you can be of service to yourself service to everyone around you and service to the world at large we're going to go from physically fit to mentally fit to emotionally fit to spiritually fit and the full curriculum's up there aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service and write in your application and if it's dope and uh it looks like you might be a good fit and everything works out i can't wait to meet you and work with you and, and go through this program with you and of course check out onit.com slash aubrey we got all the goods we got 10 percent off tons of stuff to dive into tons of free content and enjoy explore check it out love you guys enjoy the podcast jp sears he is one of the funniest dudes that is on the web period and you've probably seen his videos but if you've only seen his videos and seen him in character it's like stephen colbert like who the fuck is stephen colbert well behind stephen colbert the personality is i don't know who that person is actually at all but i know who jp is and jp is an incredible dude one of the kindest most conscious loving individuals and i just love having a conversation you know where we put all the masks and characters aside and just dive deep into the fundamental issues for myself for himself 
and the things that we see out there in the world. So I think you guys are going to love this podcast. I certainly did. Anytime I get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with a man like JP, I leave it a better person. And so hopefully you guys will feel the same as well. JP, my man. Aubrey. Welcome. Thank you, brother. Good to be sitting at the the Knights of the Round Table again with you. Yeah, no doubt. Last time you were here, you were rapping with Paul Selig. That was uh, an interesting day, Man, to say the least. Yeah, I still haven't spiritually recovered from that, <laughs> like in a, a good way. I'm, uh-huh. I'm just now listening to the podcast again and listen to your podcast with them and yeah, man, I'm I'm blown away by him. The, yep. the personal reading he did on me during the podcast and your house at dinner uh, that night. Yeah, I don't know. It struck something, but I've got to digest layers of it. Yeah, it's been a, a whole process of unpacking all of that information. For those of you who haven't listened to it, definitely check out my podcast with Paul Selig, JP's podcast with Paul Selig, if you're at all interested in kind of like the epitome of spiritual truth, you know, and also some very strange phenomenolo- phenomenological things that are happening that you can, you know, be your own judge about, but it's pretty fucking interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I think what I love about Paul and, and really anyone else when we have like little slivers of it is when we can speak to a truth that's beyond our ego's own control dramas and how we want things to be but when we can just let a ray of light in that's cleaner than that it's like a a soul washing and i think we get lots of that with paul and you know hang out although sometimes it scrubs so much that it just like reveals that underneath where it's scrubbing is a giant pocket of dog shit <laughs> and just your own bullshit just starts going like oh no it's so messy and it smells that it's yeah uh-huh. hemorrhaging your own bullshit <laughs> yeah exactly you're wounded you know what i did i got really i got really fucked up um and what what it was was that you know paul's work describes you know us at our highest potential bringing our divine self or our christ itself a lot of our higher self our pure consciousness through the embodiment of who we are in totality right and that i think is one of the goals that we all have as spiritual beings because that's a place where we can claim the kingdom and using his language but like be in a place of enlightenment to use another language or a place beyond suffering however it's everything kind of points to the same idea a place where your best self is brought through and brought forward and you can actualize this heaven that's all around us right well I was so deep in his work and like so deep in doing it that and and he has all these opportunities and all these different ways that you can kind of claim that and it's very valuable to do that but i really thought that i could kind of like do it mm-hmm. you know like i thought like oh i got this i got this shit like i don't need to clean my room because i'm gonna go to the different upper room of the house and like in a different octave in a different way like i don't need to worry about the shit that my human is causing you know, I don't need to like handle all of this mundane business. I'm just going to actualize my full potential and shit's going to be cool. Mm. And then it didn't work. The, the by- by- bypass game is strong <laughs> in you, Aubrey. <laughs> I tried, man. man. I fucking tried to like leap across the pond of all my human shit. Yeah. And then the human was like, uh-uh, bitch. Nope. Well, and, and that's the trouble. I, I won't say that I have. I'll say that's the trouble my ego has. Actually, my ego would probably say it's not a fucking problem. <laughs> but anyway, 
That's the trouble I have with my ego. When I listen to something amazing, Paul Selig, or read conversations with God, just like some awesome truth, my ego will say, oh, why don't I just be right there and and not go through this struggle to get to the progress, but let's just bypass the struggle, get to the progress. And, but I trick myself into thinking like, yeah, I'm there. Let me play the role <laughs> of the, the I don't want to say perfection, but the evolved way of being. Let me play that role, which is really fucking different than being it. Mm-hmm. And but, Trying to be it and being it <laughs> are a vastly different thing. Man, as our friend Yoda once said, there is no try, do or yeah. do not, but... I don't know. Yoda had kind of that creepy guru vibe about him, probably <laughs> sleeping with all his followers, like getting Luke in, at night and, uh. you know, Luke. But <laughs> something I'm embracing on that note is that I, I have to re embrace every so often. I have to renew my relationship with it is the struggle. And I was just hanging out with a guy named Brendan Burchard. Do you know of him? I know of him. He's yeah. a Tony Robbins ish guy. And, and he says, there's only two pieces to the human narrative, struggle and progress. And the progress part is glorious. And of course, that's what I aim for. That's, that's what I like to pretend to be when my ego listens to a Paul Selig channeling. But then I have to remind myself, like, if I just go there without the struggle, I'm bypassing, I'm not really there. And it tends to make the struggle worse if I avoid the struggle. So I I do my best to remind myself, like, there's beauty in the struggle. There's beauty to the messiness of not having it all figured out. There's beauty to the I don't know-ness. There's beauty to the sloppy messiness of my life and getting angry. And and to me, that's the real struggle that strengthens the butterfly's wings. You know, just hashtag insert caterpillar analogy (laughs) kind of thing right there. Yeah, and and I think... For me, it was also because I was so immersed in those teachings, and I and I fucking really actually believe them. Yeah, you know, and like I really think, you know, he's expressing the, you know, the kind of the the most noble truths of of that are possible, and so in believing them, you know, I kind of had some shame around the the, the parts of me that weren't there. Yeah. that were still petty that still needed reassurance that still needed validation that still needed you know that couldn't radically accept people for who they were you know that couldn't radically bless all actions and see mm-hmm. things in a higher way you know he, he goes on and on about how you know you agree by by casting judgment on any act you agree with that act to a certain degree and you like actually embolden it so i was like no i'm i won't even judge anything that kind of comes my way in relationship or anything i will radically bless it to such an extent that i will transform it you know by my own claim of it and allow it to be raised another octave and all this shit and my human is just looking at me like go for it like i'm gonna fucking drag you into the mud as soon as you think you're there and then it just it just was this really interesting time of recognizing like okay like i can still believe that i can still use that as an understanding and an ideal and a goal but i have to like bring this human you know the the human parts the ego parts the personality parts the identity parts the body parts 
and lovingly bring it along and acknowledge that it has its needs and it has its time and it has its grace by which it's going to progress it's not like i can immediately just because i think and i agree that it's true yes it's true body you there body's like no (laughs) like i'm not gonna believe something that fast like i need time you know i need the steps i need process i need to struggle for sure to me it'd be like let's just say we're in third grade for lack of a better grade analogy. And the third grader looks at like a collegiate level math course and says, cool, that's where I should be. We know like looking at that, like, no, you shouldn't be there now. You're, you're equipped with third grade level stuff, which isn't bad. You don't need to shame yourself, even though I I do it too. But we can look at that third grader with compassion and be like, where you're at is fine. Like, and you're gonna make progress. You're destined to the for the collegiate level knowledge and courses. You'll get there and you'll go beyond it. But we know if the third grader just like showed up physically in college one day, it would be so ill-equipped. It would be a tremendous curse on the third grader. And I think we do that to ourselves when we pretend we should be somewhere on the the enlightenment spectrum that we're not. And, and I also, I I think shaming ourselves is one of the most common things we do. And also one of the most unenlightened things we do, which is kind of ironic because just like you said, and you know, when I notice myself, like I'm not being very evolved right now, I'll shame myself, which is so much less evolved than the unevolved I was just being. But of course the, I think, maybe the two things our egos have in their control repertoire are shame and fear. It keeps us mm. small rather than real, like self-realizing our expansiveness. Well, if we punish ourselves for our lack of perfection, it almost redeems our perfection in the ego's mind, right? Like if you, if you aren't perfect and you aren't, you know, radically enlightened and aren't radically the way that you want to be and the ego's like, you're not there. So you get punishment. Well, in a way, that means that you're reinforcing the fact that you are there or should be there yeah. by the punishment of you not being there. So it like allows your ego to maintain that heightened view, right? And and then the shame, and then that's self punishment. And to me, the shame is the is the unwillingness to actually look at where you're at. So you, so shame causes you to make all kinds of excuses. Well. Yeah. Oh, well, it's because of this thing. Oh, well, it's because you did this thing in this particular way and you worded it just like this. And that's, of course, why I got upset because anybody would get upset at that, you know, and it allows you to kind of reframe something and blame something other than yourself because you're ashamed that like, oh, man, my third grade human still needs some like reassurance and still needs some validation and still needs some support here. Yeah. You know, so that's a, it was, it's really interesting. I think that probably is something that happens to some people who, who encounter someone like Paul Selig's yeah. work. Man, there, every bright shining star casts a shadow. And I think our egos are the things that try to eclipse the bright shiny star that then creates the shadow. So, yeah, I mean, just the old Spider-Man uncle analogy with great power comes great responsibility. And, and I think it was Nelson Mandela who said, we fear our power more than we fear our weaknesses. And of course, that's why we can, you know, pull out the arsenal of shame, which is incredibly painful 
yet it protects us from experiencing our true power, which from my delusional point of view, our true power is when we connect to the aspect of ourself, our heart, our soul, that's beyond our ego. Mm -hmm. That's our true power. And of course, my ego says, well, um, (laughs) fuck that, by the way, because I don't want there to be a me that's greater than the me with the lowercase m. So it's like, well, let's just do the shame thing. And yeah. it'll it'll hurt, yeah, but it'll keep things sort of familiar, sort of in control from our ego's point of view. And then I would dare say to really embrace power, surrender is the way. I think yeah. for our ego to gratify itself with a sense of power, it says, screw surrender, let's do control. And maybe our spirit self says, uh, control is how we lose power. Surrender is where we really embrace our because we're surrendering to who we truly are which is which is immeasurably powerful right you know it's the ego that is in this constant state of resistance that puts us you know as the buddhists say in in guyana which is suffering you know it's the resistance of the ego trying to claim itself as real trying to claim itself as claim its purview over the human which is divine in its (laughs) nature you know and say no 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 here I am and I am in charge of this whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, and it's just uh, an idea, you know, the ego and the identity is just an idea. Yeah. And that idea is trying to empower itself with its own belief, <laughs> but it isn't, it's when we surrender that idea to the best of our ability and surrender to who we truly are, then yeah, fuck. Yeah. Then we're actually, then we're actually going somewhere. Well, Mr. Marcus, I have a question for yeah, you based right. on that. Um, and someone asked me this on my YouTube channel way back when I was doing these question answer things before the comedy stuff. It was a great question. Forgot what the hell my answer was, but I love the question. So here it comes. How can you be yourself when you don't know who you are? How can you surrender to your true self when you don't know who the hell that is? I think the idea of the self is misguided. I think it's a, a construct that's built upon personal history and that that personal history gives us kind of a context to understand this idea of self in singular. But I think truly we're actually a multiplicity of selves depending on who we are that day, a potentiality mm. of expression. And I think so when you go looking for yourself, you are the one that is looking for yourself and that is the self that you are expressing. And And so it's like, we're a possibility with the proclivity is really who we are and that proclivity is our general biases and our general tendencies and i think there are times for me where i found what i feel like is my essential self and my essential self is for the most part really fucking playful and like a little bit mischievous and a little and loves laughing you know and and that's like the seven grams of mushroom heroic dose dissolved into the sunlight self that just can't stop howling at the hilarity of life and the joy of expression and being around people and and that to me when i when i reach that and it's not just on the mushrooms that i reach that when i reach that i'm like ah oh, all right here i am like really really home but the people who know me you know that is just a a portion of how i tend to express and i think the other parts are myself too but like, I do think that there's a, you know, if you travel deep enough down to the layers, you'll find an essential self that might be a lot different than the ways that you express, but you'll find it's, you know, you'll find that it has, 
it comes out in small ways in, in a variety of different ways and there's also different versions of myself but i guess the long answer to this is i'm kind of rambling on is we're an infinite number of selves mm. and it just our belief and our mindset at that moment empowers whatever self shows up but at the very core there's probably the most comfortable home self mm. beyond fear and beyond craving and beyond all that that's in stasis and i think that's nice to try and find and taste as well yeah i love that and and just to add some delusional redhead thought to what i think is pretty groovy insight i also believe when we can kind of like be in touch with what feels inspiring in any given moment like not gratifying like gratifying is like hey i'm an alcoholic and I want alcohol. Like that's not inspiring. That's gratification. But when we can be in touch with what what is inspiring through us, whether it's I want to go take a walk right now, mm. or I want to text my wife and tell her I love her, or I want to just sit down and create something. I think that inspiration comes from a place beyond our mind, our ego. And I would dare say that that's a like at a feeling level, how one way we embody like our true self and yeah and i think one of the limiting factors of like being ourselves being ourselves when we don't know who we are and i think those of us who think we know who we are are maybe the most full of shit which is beautiful <laughs> too but just my judgment but i think um man i don't remember what the hell i was gonna say do you <laughs> Aubrey? <laughs> no, no, my mind melding it, skills are not as good as my spiritual bypassing skills. <laughs> man, but when we don't know who we are and to be who we are when we don't know who we are, I think it the, a limiting factor is the knowing part. When we try yeah. to mentally conceptualize who we are, like, okay, let me comprehend who I am so I can then be that. I think we need to just do the then be that part. But like trying to know, it's like, yeah. man, our our mind is so limited. That's like trying to comprehend the ocean through a five gallon drywall bucket. Like, ah, we can yeah. get some cool stuff in the bucket, but maybe we could just like not worry about the intellectual knowing of ourself and be a little more present, a little more feeling oriented, a little more embody oriented and, and honor the inspiration that wants to live through us. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a very, th I think it, we're really asking a question of like who we are when we have the most free will like when mm. we're not driven by fear and we're not driven by performance and we're not driven by manipulation or anything like that like who we are when there's no motivation beyond just being you know and that's an interesting question because that's a very rare place to be because like all right so let me think about some other times so perhaps maybe the best speech i gave was at burning man i gave a speech and it was truly like i stepped outside of my body mm. and words came through me and i actually like after the speech and i you know talked to some people i just like sat down and i started crying i was like i don't that i mean it wasn't even me i can't take credit for that at all right and that was an interesting thing because that's like kind of something coming through you you know but it didn't really feel like myself, although it was using all my apparatus, yeah. you know, and like, and using me to do it. Um, but that didn't really feel like myself. It wasn't the same as me because I was still I was still allowing 
the intention of the speech and then getting out of the way and then allowing something to come through but it had a very specific purpose sure. for that whereas like the me that i know you know and I, and I kind of identify as the me it just wants to laugh at stuff and yeah. like and like and just joke and have fun and it's just be in hilarity and just you know be in camaraderie and and that it has no it has no kind of point to what it's doing there's no fear you know there's no drive for anything it is just kind of it just is mm. you know and i guess that would be the place that i would encourage people to kind of breathe into because i think we are all 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 expressions of this but as soon as we have a goal you know we've altered <laughs> we've altered the essential self yeah to make that goal more possible yeah and something comes up for me around goals but first i have to circle back i heard you say you identify as me which or something like that which i think in our age of like who do you identify as and like how dare you if you don't see me the way i identify as like whoever that is i think just interesting like working with the philosophy like don't identify as yourself i don't know like maybe that's either probably really good or really bad but you know on that that note of goals i find myself present day and actually probably for the past <clears throat> probably six years i very rarely create goals i mean i'll have my daily task list which i guess in a way are goals but like the big goals i was just finding when i create goals they become a limitation uh, of sorts for me because they might be created out of my small mind yeah uh, they might be a, a different trajectory than where I meant to go. So I was finding like, man, I'm setting all these goals, especially in my twenties. And like, I'm either having to betray the goals or I'm staying true to the goals. And it's just leading me down a path where I can progressively feel I'm losing myself. So the past six years I'm finding what tends to work for me and I'm not, this is not like a everybody do this kind of thing. That's just like, ooh, what I'm finding for me in this season of my life is I don't set goals. Like I do my best to listen, you know, in the moment and every day, like what's, what wants to live through me? Can I have the courage to say yes to that? What am I being asked to be a messenger for? And sometimes that'll come through in a given project, like start comedy shows, JP, or do this or start a membership program where it's like, okay, cool. That's, I didn't think that was like my goal, but I, I heard the, the call, the knock mm. on the door and I'll say yes to it. So now I'm energizing it. And anyway, with all that said, as I was finding, I was betraying myself the more I would set goals. I'm curious with yourself, cause you're kicking ass, taking names, taking hostages. You know, you're murdering a hostage or two every so often. Just, I mean, with your, your, with on it, your personal brand and the way people look up to you and are inspired by you with all the things you're doing. I'm curious how you use goals or not. Well, I've said fuck goals many times before because I think goals sets up expectations and a, a metric by which you judge yourself that is outcome derived. Like we're only responsible for our process and our effort. But then again, you use, there's another way that you can use that word is your intention, mm. right? Like you create a video 
with your intention that it is a good video that people will you know receive a message from and hopefully laugh right you know like that's like that is the intention so you could call that a goal i said i have like an intention for you know the weekend coaching seminar that i'm hosting or the mastermind that i'm creating like i have an intention and i think i don't think we can avoid having the intention which could be called a goal you know my goal is to create the best but we're really i think where the rub is 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 making ourselves responsible for the outcome rather than responsible for the process yeah because all we're fucking responsible for is the process is like being in the infinite unfolding of the actions that create the potentiality of your intention you know that's a fucking word salad way of being like just you oh you're only responsible for what you know what you're able to be and do at that moment you're not responsible for the outcome and you can't judge yourself accordingly you know and i think that's a much better place to be and where you get really fucked up is when you start playing you know comparison games and start using like external things to create your goals and to like judge yourself based on it's like one thing to judge yourself based on your own goal which is still fucked up but then you judge it based on oh well so and so is getting this many views or so and so has this many downloads on their podcast or so and so has this many millions in their bank account or their you know girlfriend or wife does this or looks like this or like you use all of these things and then you start judging yourself that way and then that's even worse than your own criteria (laughs) you know because then you're using these this kind of fictionalized idea of other people's things when it's they're not living your life they're not in your shoes they're not doing your thing so i think all external forms of criteria that are outcome driven and like tangibly driven driven are are kind of dangerous yeah what i what i heard you say is like one jp you do set goals they're called (laughs) intentions i'm like fuck i thought i was beyond that (laughs) but you know they're and i think there's meaning on that we all attach to the word goals or intention i definitely resonate with intentions and and i love your message about let the the goal be a process driven thing not an outcome expectation orientation and you know the saying we've all heard 400,000 times let things be a journey not about the destination and i think the my relationship with goals that is destructive is when i treat goals as a destination here's the outcome yep. here's how it should be yep. and it's like cool if i need to lose myself or betray higher wisdom along the i'll have to do that to make <laughs> the the literal physical crystallized reality meet this image i have in my mind of what it's supposed to be so like the ends justify the means absolutely by whatever means necessary we reach the goal for sure and we do the cross thing the like worship <laughs> yeah. expectations yeah um but letting it be about the journey because you know i've noticed so many times in my life i have a thought like let me do this thing let me go towards this outcome this goal and three or four or five steps in a fork in the road presents itself and it's like i can go the way i thought i was supposed to go to destination achieve that goal or like, wow, I've come seven steps and now there's a fork in a road that feels purposeful to go to the left, this new surprising way. I I didn't even know this was a way, a path that I could go. 
And I wouldn't have known if I didn't start my mm-hmm. journey, but look, the journey presented a surprise within the journey. It's <laughs> awesome. But I think when we have our goals, our intentions, when we have them loosely held and allow them to be about the journey, not the destination, it allows us to modify to the winds of life. Just kind of like if a surfer was on a wave and said, here's how I should be standing the whole time this next wave I surf. He will be, he will not be adjusting his center of gravity at all. He'll just have, here's how it should look in his mind and he'll be going for that. But I think we're all the surfers and I think we all, life is a wave that is far more significant than our delusional, small-minded, bucked up point of view of what it should be. And if we allow ourselves to be in the journey, not projecting forward to the destination. Then we allow ourselves to be the surfer adjusting his or her center of gravity when we're on the wave that we're on yeah, in that moment. Totally. And that works for us. And then the decision, if you try to plan out your whole surf ride so perfectly, and then you won't ever actually go out in the water and you won't ever start paddling. Like sometimes you have no idea until you start paddling. Yeah. And like, there's, there's so many people I talk to who are like, well, I don't know what I want to do, but they know you always know the next thing. You really have a good idea. Well, well, the next thing I needed, I need to go back and like follow up on my passion, which is art, or my passion, which is dance, or my passion, which is singing. I've just kind of let that go, and and or I need to have this idea, and I really want to flush it out. Or I was supposed to write this thing. Like that may not be the thing, but like most people have an idea of what that next thing is. That it may not be the final thing, yeah. but you got to start fucking paddling. You just got to start paddling. Like I started, when I started on it, it was making hangover supplements. And it wasn't like, it didn't have the idea that it had, that it is now. And it wasn't that thing. It wasn't total human optimization. This was recovery from doing bad things to yourself, <laughs> right? Like, and, and then when did it become what it became? Well, I got, I figured out how to formulate and I got with doctors and figured out how to formulate a good hangover supplement. And then I was talking with Rogan one day, Joe Rogan one day, and I was like, hey man, I mean, I'm making supplements now. Like I'm putting them together. I got a really good FDA GMP contract manufacturer. I got really good formulators. I got I got this thing down. I understand how this works. Like what supplement would you like? And he's like, I don't know, all natural nootropic. And I was like, cool, I'm gonna try and make the best one that ever was. And he's like, cool man, with a big fucking Cheshire cat smile <laughs> on his face. And then I fucking got to work and started doing that. But if I hadn't started making hangover supplements, which is not what fucking on it is, I wouldn't have asked Joe that question because I wouldn't have known how to make a supplement. So Alpha Brain would have never been fucking born if I didn't start paddling down a totally dead end channel that had little tiny waves that I couldn't get up on my surfboard because there was, you know, that company would have failed and it was failing, you know, because like that wasn't the thing. But because I'd started paddling, I was able to find a different way and actually go. And I paddled down a million waves that I couldn't stand up on the pad that looked like, okay, looks like momentum. I got my surfboard and then you paddle. And then it's one of those ones that just goes into nothing. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. like, we're like, oh, that was really not a wave. That was really just like fucking a turtle fart. Like, I don't <laughs> know what I was paddling into here. And, but, but the act of paddling actually gets you to the opportunity to make a pivot or to make a switch or to create, you know, find where you actually need to go. Yeah. Yeah. You would have been stuck at destination beta brain, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I'm still there. Actually, I'm still, (laughs) despite seven years of alpha brain taking, I'm still 
overcoming beta brain. I think, you know, on that note, what I would tell 22 year old JP or probably virtually anybody listening to this is stop setting expectations that you call goals just because it's, you know, used in goal language doesn't necessarily mean it's a goal. It, it, oh, I think so many of them are expectations. And just as you outline, like, fuck, that, that can rob you from arriving at such a glorious place. Yeah. I know for me right now, I feel like I'm in one of those uh, hangover supplement phases <laughs> for myself. <laughs> like right now, the past, I don't know what it's been, probably 10 months or so. I've been doing tons of comedy shows all over, going into comedy clubs, and they're fucking so great. Just kicking ass. They're so many of them are selling out, and it's just so much fun for me. And it really doesn't feel like a destination for me. It feels like I'm like my comedy shows right now are, I don't know if they're teaching me something or leading me into what they're leading me into, but it definitely feels like it's the middle ground. It's the hangover supplement that Mm -hmm. will have me arriving at my alpha brain, whatever that is. Mm. And, And it's kind of exciting and kind of scary that I don't know what the whatever that is, what my alpha brain will be for that. And I think part of the scary thing is like, oh, maybe it'll be nothing. They'll yeah. do comedy clubs for a, a couple of years <laughs> and then nobody will ever want to see me again. It's like, shit, I was expecting a more glorious alpha brain for JP. <laughs> and let me just acknowledge the people who are listening who are like, oh yeah, poor guy, selling out shows and, and stadiums and comedy tour. You know, I like how you slipped in stadium in there. Thank you, brother. Selling out fucking Dallas Cowboys sell- Stadium. hundred, <laughs> Yeah, 100,000 people. Yeah, that's, well, that's what we're doing. Selling out American Airlines arenas and fucking, uh, and that's not his, not his moment. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to hear you acknowledge that this is something, it's what a fucking training ground though, right? Like you're in there and you're in your training ground, you're in your you're learning and getting feedback and doing something that's has the natural reciprocity built in where people are coming to laugh and learn and you're delivering laughter and learning and, and this whole thing is happening. But there's like this idea like, uh, this isn't it forever, Yeah, but it's it for now. It doesn't mean that when you are about to go on stage, you enjoy that thing less because that thing will transition. And I think that's another thing that people get fucked up in every way, like even in relationship, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, this isn't the person I'm going to be with the rest of my life. So they immediately diminish how much fun they can have that day or that moment because of the, you know, saying, well, you know, this isn't forever, you know, so I don't want to have too much fun. Now, fuck it. Have fun. Let the wild love be wild and just like claim it and enjoy it. And don't worry that it's going to transition because guess what? We're all fucking transitioning. Yeah. Every single one of us is transitioning to another non-physical dimension at some fucking point anyway. So there is no destination other than death that's actually guaranteed for yeah. all of us. So fucking enjoy what you got and however you got it. And then just enjoy the next thing too. As a wise man once said, who was sitting in your chair, <laughs> the tide comes for all your motherfucking sandcastles. No doubt. And, you know, whether that's a relationship or like your current alpha brain, I I doubt that you're done. I'm, I'm guessing whatever you blink your eyes and whether it's a year, two years, five years, you'll look back and say like, wow, alpha brain 
that was my hangover supplement, relatively speaking. Mm. And I look at it, which makes me think about me just to make it all about me because I think I'm a narcissist. Uh, I think the plight of a narcissist is they want to be less narcissistic than all other narcissists. Ooh. But anyway, <laughs> let this be about me. It, it is like the season I'm in of my life career doing a lot of comedy shows like selling out stadiums, and- sell, man, <laughs> selling out countries, like a whole rolling continent full of people. <laughs> but like, this is, this is my alpha brain relative to where I was in the yeah. phase before. Like when I was just making comedy videos, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. But now I can say like, oh, that was that was the hangover supplement and and then you re, reach a new level it, yeah i remember i i think it was like 2 years ago probably pretty close to the this day i was with my manager and we were at a meeting in a you know, super la-ish office like the caa offices and there's like jp here's what's going to happen we're going to keep building your audiences or you're going to keep doing that and then we're going to have you doing comedy shows at the time, like I'm, you know, crushing some videos and I'm like, well, that sounds like I want to have a heart attack. That sounds very scary, but like, cool, like, let's see if that happens. And, and then it happens and, and, and then water, what is it? The rising tide lifts all ships, lifts all ships. and now the ships have been lifted and it's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, what's the next thing? What's the next piece on the journey you know, we haven't let all this be destinations or else we'd get stuck at the comedy shows. We'd get stuck at the hangover supplements. We'd get stuck in the relationship that maybe isn't supposed to be forever. Mm. Not that they ever could be like <laughs> hashtag death, but, <laughs> but yeah, life, life seems to be a little bit more joyful, a little bit more graceful when we can get the Bruce Lee nutrients into our system of letting it be like water yeah do you think there's a i had a my friend aaron alexander and he challenged me and asked me like if i am addicted to having something to work on constantly i was like no man you know there's just things to work on (laughs) you know but like but i haven't been able to completely shed it because i think there is something there is something to be said for like all this kind of addiction to progress, this addiction to motion, this kind of being driven to constantly move and constantly be moving forward, you know, rather than just like, or recovering from it, yeah. from a heavy sprint and which in, in its way, like anybody who works out understands it's like, okay, train, recover, like got it. Like, and I do have that balance of pushing and then recovering, but I always, I wonder, you know, and I, and I wonder, and I ask that same question to myself and I'll ask it to you. Like, do you think there is some human addiction to progress? And is that a, is that a problem or is that just like life? Well, I I think the, the biggest human addiction is to addiction. (laughs) And I think, I I think some of us, and I'm going to lump you and I into this category and I would guess most people listening to this show would be in this category of we're addicted to progress in in you know the other end of the polarity of progress is addicted to passivity addicted to not letting anything change yeah. so you know first off if i was going to ju- 
<clears throat> excuse me, select which polarity to be addicted to. Like, all right, cool. Let me be addicted to the progress polarity. Yeah. And and this is something I get amused by. I struggle with. I feel like I don't have the answers at all. But I think about it is there's there's a mixture of like you and I are both very purpose driven people. So like, cool, I'm on a mission and there's probably yeah. more than one mission. So there's a lot of shit to do. And then there's the egoic workaholism, the feel a sense of value through a sense of productivity, through progress, which or is external measures of any variety, hundred yeah. percent building up the status, the bank yeah. account. So building up all those things in, in that egoic agenda with the purpose-driven agenda, agenda they they seem to become very intertwined, and I don't I don't know how to separate the two in my life, and I can, except when I cross the line, and and I think I've crossed a line of, I don't hear pretty recently I'm pretty run down. You know, I've been in three cities in the past week, and like off to LA again tomorrow, and. So there, I look at that, I'm like, fuck, I don't, like, I don't think this is purpose-driven in action. I think yeah. my ego is just said yes so much, and it's salivated around like, yes, progress, my precious, <laughs> mm, more. And like, let's not have a drink of water. Let's turn the fire hydrant on and put our mouth up to that. And yeah. And I don't know how to not do it other than a little bit in hindsight when I see like, oh, I really crossed the line, you know, t 10 steps back that way. So slow down a little bit. And, but yeah, it's tough. Like when you're unapologetically purpose driven and like unapologetically ego driven, like <laughs> how to separate the two? Yeah. I'm no, curious how true. that is for you. It's true, man. I mean, it's because uh, <clears throat> there can be they, they they conflate to a certain degree because especially when part of your purpose is and my purpose is to you know shift people's ways of thinking, thinking about themselves, thinking about the world, thinking about each other. So it my purpose isn't just personal. My purpose is service oriented to a large number of people. So, but reaching a large number of people also feeds the fuck out of the hungry hungry hippo ego For right sure. that so it's like this balance of like okay i am doing what i'm supposed to be doing but i'm also receiving feedback that is also you know supporting the ego in a certain way and and i think it's uh i think for me when the ego is most active i'm also most vulnerable and I think that's the that's I think probably the biggest indicator for me that the balance is off, because when I'm really purpose driven, really service driven, like I'm pretty divorced from, you know, the outcome. I know that I am doing and being the very best that I can possibly be, and I'm I really can am able to divorce myself largely from the outcome and the feedback. But when I'm kind of, my ego is activated. It doesn't mean that my message is necessarily different, but the way that I'm receiving the effect of that, you know, like I'm more concerned about likes, I'm more concerned about the negative comments, I'm more concerned about 
the kind of the strategic elements of this should i have said this a different way maybe if i just said this a different way you know fewer people would have called me a fucking egomaniac and a piece of shit and all of this thing because maybe i still use this word wrong and and when i'm really like i know that i'm delivering you know and i'm in my purpose fully then none of that stuff bothers me Mm -hmm. you know and i think so i think it's a good check to like a lot of those negative feelings come from the ego kind of being strategic and judging yourself and it's good to receive you know to receive that commentary and all the negative comments are valuable in that they give you insight into what other people are saying even if they're radically wrong but typically if your ego is not active and present you won't take offense to any of it you'll just be like oh interesting okay that's something that's worth learning like okay if i say it like this it bothers people oh okay open relationships gonna get people pretty fired up okay good to know <laughs> you know but i'm not it's not like i'm gonna change my relationship you know or yeah. just li- start lying to people and be like you know so i i think for me it's like noticing when the pain when the pain is there when i feel when i feel the pain or i feel inadequacy or i feel the suffering that's probably a good opportunity for me to reflect like oh, okay here's the ego yeah. showing up and trying to receive something yeah i i and i also wonder if having some ego well having some ego involved at times maybe a lot of ego is necessary to create motivation to move this meat suit to do some really inconvenient things (laughs) to go into discomfort um yeah i wonder about that and i think fuel that motivates us you know the the fuel that makes a jet go across the sky can become the fuel that blows up the same jet so i i just wonder if that's the same thing with our egos it can be like i think there's no doubt ego can be a huge motivator like the desire to receive acknowledgement accolade you know sexual favor money all of these different things that the ego loves to kind of like build itself up can drive us to do a crazy amount of work and workload and and do things and it can also be kind of tied in with the muse a little bit too Mm -hmm. you know and we call it these words and that's like the maybe like the high tickling of the ego and then there's like the base tickling of the ego which is just counting your ducats and diving in them like scrooge mcduck in your bank fault you know but i think there is a way to move and the symbol being the bodhisattva the one who is so moved by compassion for humanity fellow brothers and sisters that they're moved to action based on love empathy and compassion which isn't ego driven and can move you and can move you into any into doing anything if yeah. you're a truly service purpose driven and you are using the bodhisattva as a symbol like then you can move cleanly without all of the pain and anguish that the ego ultimately sets you up for which is fuel no fucking doubt it's fuel but it all it's always painful for me at least i think what my ego does at times like millisecond here or there when i'm moving forward cleanly uh without the agenda of my ego my ego will say like, oh, cool. I'm beyond the ego right now. And <laughs> oh, got me again. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. Too. <laughs> and I think also the Ram Dass quote always goes around in my head. You can't get out of a jail you don't know you're in. And I think something I used to ask myself all the time, and I've forgotten to do it lately. So here's my reminder. 
I used to journal a lot about how am I getting my ego needs met right now? Like oftentimes I'd be on a plane going to do something. It's like, oh, cool. How's my ego going to gratify myself with this? And it wasn't like a trying to resist my ego, wasn't even an attempt to not do that, to not let my ego get gratified. It was just an attempt to have self-awareness of, oh, let's be aware. How are my ego needs going to be met here? And I found that was a a nice way to have some level of boundaries Mm -hmm. on the ego. Because of course, if we don't know we're in the jail of ego gratification, there's a pretty good chance we're not going to move beyond the jail of ego gratification. So I think a a great question we can ask ourselves, no matter what we're doing, whether we're washing the feet of homeless people, is that a thing? Administration. Okay. Doing administration to homeless people, (laughs) learning new terms. I think administration is different than ministration, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever. You know, listen to the energy of our words right now and not the literal. Let's be a little more symbolic here. Or, you know, you're going to do a talk or you're doing a video, but asking yourself, yeah, how am I getting my ego needs met right here? And not even shaming ourselves for having ego needs, not even shaming ourselves for our egos, like being at play, no matter what we're doing. Sometimes like it's at play big time. Other times it's relative, relatively like the tranquilized elephant at some horrible petting zoo in Thailand. Yeah. I've watched my, I've had to watch my ego go through interesting dance because I wrote, I write very like vulnerable, honest newsletters. And so when I go through something hard and I get the lesson and my last big lesson was on spiritual bypass. And when I get that and I can just open up and be like, hey, everybody, like, here's how big of an idiot I was. And like, (laughs) let me share this all with you. That is something I think that actually supports my ego in a way, because it's like, you were the you were the the ego goes i am the courageous one that learns lessons and vulnerably shares those things right and so even though i'm doing something that you know ultimately is mission purpose driven and and has no ostensible benefit me sharing the times that i'm being an idiot it does feed the part of my ego that identifies with the one who's willing to do that but then this week you know this week the other part came in uh, the other part of the ego that's like well what are you even doing you don't know shit obviously you just you've just told everybody that you don't know shit and that (laughs) you know and like and like what what the fuck like just you know because it wants to be someone who's beyond these large radical reevaluating lessons because it wants to be something of an expert or something of this and so like sitting with this internal diminishment of the ego where the ego is going like okay i got the bump i got the hit identifying as the one who shares the things but now i'm suffering the the loss of being like yeah fuck i i didn't see that one coming and i just got blindsided and there could be just being rational there could be a lot more of those things so why am i even fucking doing a podcast like like, should people even be listening like what what am you what am i doing and then the ego starts to try make itself small and like try to play small and try to and and it's been this interesting kind of dance with that that it's it's absolutely necessary and i can't i'm not going to stop doing what i'm doing but i think like you said being aware of the jail that my ego's putting myself in and the self-judgments that are creating the bars of that jail and the expectations and all of these ideas about myself that 
just if I can surrender, going back to the earliest thing we said, surrender to just being who I am and not being worrying about the outcome and just doing the best I can, again, surrendering to the process rather than the goal, like yeah. all of these fucking things that we're talking about, then gets gets you out of jail. Yeah. Amen to that. What I'm curious. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, scared. Uh, yeah, I'm scared the way you said that. Uh, I feel like you need a pipe and I need to be like, hmm. Um. Aubrey motherfucking Marcus. I was just thinking of that. I'm the drive over here. Aubrey motherfucking Marcus. That's like a really sweet sounding alliteration. Mm -hmm. The Aubrey motherfucking Marcus line. <laughs> if you come out with like a line of like lingerie apparel. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, like like partner with Milf Hunter. <laughs> I I don't know of them, but that sounds like you don't know of them. Some people do. <laughs> well, my lawyer told me uh, not to claim knowledge of said. Wait, uh, Ryan knows them. He laughed hard. <laughs> he knows who I'm talking about. But uh, when you look at what you've got going on in life, you know, business relationships, play coming off your car accident a couple months ago what excites you most about life right now <clears throat> i like what excites me most about life is when i feel like i'm choosing like like being free like being really free and i feel like i've been I've been doing a lot of things, but I like have had compulsions. Like I had to recover from that accident. So I chose, I was in, in choice in how I recovered, but like I didn't have a choice about the recovery. Like I, I had to recover and like I've had to go through relationship stuff or dismantle the relate or whatever. I've had choice. I have choice in the process, but I've felt like I've been like compelled. I've been presented with situations that were unavoidable. Like I couldn't undo the car accident. I had to heal. Yeah. Like I can't, I couldn't, I can't just snap my fingers and, you know, undo the relationship. I have to handle them so that I can have the relationship that I really want. I have to, I have to like, I have to handle these situations. And I think for me, what excites me is a time coming. And I generally get this time in December, January, because things slow down in the business and things, it's holidays and everything kind of, there's a, like some space that opens up some time where I, I just am radically choosing what's best for me. And is that the freedom you That's were freedom. talking about? That's freedom where it's, even though I, I'm in choice in all the ways that I'm handling everything and I'm not denying my choice. I, I also like am dealing with stuff that I have to deal with one way or another. And I'm looking forward to just being like, what do I want to do? Maybe I'll go to this place and I'll, you know hole up in a ski lodge and i'll cut my own firewood and i'll write and i'll just write and i'll see mm -hmm. what happens or maybe i'll go to this beach somewhere and i'll swim every day and i'll spearfish and i'll like hang out and i'll like bring my bat phone and no one's going to be able to reach me and i'll just be able to like i'm really looking forward to to just having the radical choice to al almost that spin the globe moment where you're like all right i'm giving myself two weeks i'm pretty healed company's doing pretty good i got podcasts in the bank i got like everything's relationships are solid let me just whirl this little 
blue globe around and where my finger stops or where I decide to go, I can just go and just do whatever I want. And that, that to me, I think right now is the most, absolutely the most exciting thing. Cause, mm-hmm. and then I don't know what I'll create in that because it's, I know eventually I want to write another book. Eventually I want to do some more stage stuff. Eventually I want to do some other stuff, but that's not it right now. That's not like what's driving me. What's driving me now is just the radical freedom to just do whatever the fuck. I'm going to, I love that. (laughs) I can relate to that. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to play a little bit of an Eckhart Tolle card on you. Uh So that freedom that you're talking about, December, January, you know, that's a little bit into the future from now, but like present day, Oh, What's shit. most ex- Yeah. Oh, Come on shit. now. Got a little Eckhart Tolle on you. <laughs> I can claim way more of that now is the thing. Like I can claim a way more of that freedom now by not second guessing my choices, mm. by accepting the process that I'm in. And like instead of creating the external reality of radical freedom, create the internal reality of mm. radical freedom where I am while i'm on a walk headed one direction or the other maybe i'm still walking but i'm radically free with my thoughts and my expression and i can look at the sky and i can stop and pet the leaves and you know feel the waxiness and smell a fly i can like be radically present in my compelled choice which maybe the walk is compelled but on the walk itself i can be in radical freedom Mm. and i could fucking do that now i really could yeah and i'm not that much you know so thanks for asking that because that's actually puts things in a lot of perspective because i think we kind of wait for these big macro external moments when like i don't know power is now yeah well in and i love i love your answer to that and and taking that into like a a universal law because I mean, what you said, it sounds like that was more than just the answer for Aubrey. I think there's a like a universal law in there where you take a look at what do you desire for your future. In this case, it was like, yeah, f- freedom in January, December, have a open schedule, which was a bit of an externalization, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. So if we take a look at what we desire for our future and just pretend there's a universal law at work that says you wouldn't desire that unless you were in denial of that right now. And oftentimes we're in denial of it because it's in the internal reality. So it's, you know, harder to see. So it's easier to pretend it's not there, you know, harder to see how we're robbing ourselves of the freedom of this moment. You know, you might be going around doing all the tasks that you're going to do and say, well, that's not freedom. It's like, well, maybe the freedom is found in doing those tasks not under a sense of obligation, not under a sense of comparing yourself to how other people would be doing it or how you think you should be doing it. Maybe that's what's robbing the freedom in the moment. So uh, I think there's great virtue in like strive ahead and like create the future you want. Cool. But also at the same time, realize that in the internal reality now because I know I've had the experiences where sometimes the future I crave when I'm there in front of it, here's the external circumstances. I've got finally some free time on my schedule and I don't feel free (laughs) because I didn't embrace the internal reality of that first. 
So maybe embracing the internal first. You're right, man. You're right. Well, man, I'm just reflecting your words <laughs> back to you. So oh, of course- you're fucking right. I mean, it, it's like there's we have the power to make the shift from saying I have to to I get to. Yeah. You know, like I get to do eight meetings today. I get to do that. You know, I get to have meetings that have meaning and have meaning for my company and have me. I get to. Yeah. You know, not like I have to. And like I get to heal my face today. You know, like I get to, I get to apply the, the, the salve that's going to actually heal my skin. I get to do that, you know? And, and I think that that subtle choice of switching from I have to, to I get to, you know, can actually open up all of this radical freedom that I'm talking about. And, and that's, and maybe there are some ways that I would choose different actions based on that. But, but for the most part, it's an internal thing, you know, and that's, that's fucking, that's it. And, you know, I think in many ways we could say choice equals freedom and, you know, how we're, what perspective we're choosing in any given moment is a choice and that gives rise potentially to a lot of freedom or, you know, a serious lack of freedom and your notion of I get to have meetings versus I have to, like, that's a cool perspective. And then even with within the, I get to have meetings, there's a lot of choice in there too. Like yeah. you, you can show up the way you want to show up in that moment, or you can show up, here's how I think this person expects me to show up. And you can show mm-hmm. up as that, which is maybe choosing lack of freedom or like choosing like, how am I in this moment? And let me rock in and just be me in the moment. So I would dare say a lot of, I think the more, what I'm learning from this, the more we can exercise what I would call genuine choice of perspective in any given moment, the more freedom we can find. Yeah. And it's really not, and like you said, it's not, it's not ever really about what you do. It's about how you do it. You know what I mean? It's like about what internal qualities you bring to that thing that'll make you enjoy it or not it could be sex it could be food it could be we've all rushed through dinner we've all been caught in our head worrying about performance in the bedroom we've all been you know playing a game where we're just worried about our last missed shot or like on stage worried about the joke that missed or like we've all been doing the things but like doing them in a way where they weren't enjoyable but if you do them in a way where you're bringing and those are all like dramatic examples to some degree but like maybe except maybe eating but how you do them is so much more important than what you're doing yeah. to a certain degree like how how you express as like and who you show up as you know which version of this multiplicity of selves you show up as do you show up as the free one do you show up as you know Selig would say i am free i am free i am free and here i am in this meeting yeah. let's go let's fucking play you know like that's a choice that we all have and that's a choice that um you know with this awareness hopefully i can start making right the fuck now man and i'm gonna drink in that awareness too (laughs) you know i look at i'm going out to la tomorrow and have some some big meetings lot riding on it and i've been feeling a little bit heavy about them even though like fucking so grateful to have these opportunities and like it's just meetings people would kill for but i've been feeling heavy about them and hearing you your words, what that reminds me of is like, wow, I've been robbing myself of freedom from these meetings. It's like going in with a, 
I think a lot of expectation and obligation mm-hmm. of how I'm supposed to be, who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be. That's just like complete personal freedom robbed. It's like yep. personal freedom robbed 101 <laughs> expectations, obligations. Uh-huh. But then like, how am I really right now? And can I give myself permission to be me? Like, oh, cool. Now those meetings feel light. And I would guess waltz into a meeting where you feel light and free. Probably going to go better than if you're no feeling doubt. heavy. But even if the outcome's exactly the same, at least it's a more enjoyable journey. Yeah. I mean, even looking at the rest of my day today, you know, looking at like, because I think you look at these things that you have, you have a schedule and I use, you know, Google Calendar and it gets all colored and it gets all blocked out and you're like, all right, here's what I have to do today. You know, but like looking at everything coming up, like, okay, here's what I get to do today. Yeah. And and, and again, expectation, obligation. We have a choice to kind of remove those which is a wild thing. And I, I've known how important that was in relationship, talking to people who, you know, who feel like they're stuck with somebody and like, well, you got to get to a point where you're choosing to be with them. Like, and even though the, the result is going to be the same, but like if you're choosing to spend the night in that house with your husband, it's going to feel a lot better than feeling obligated and yeah. expected to stay there. And it's just a mental, it's a mental shift that we can all make. It may have no tangible difference other than how you express in that. But yeah, just even looking at the rest of my day, like the whole rest of my day seems lighter. Yeah. I feel like I got like a bunch of weight, like dusted off my, you know, traps here. And I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, I get to do some cool shit today. But now when you look at your Google calendar and see all those <laughs> fucking colors for the day, it's like, well, at least my calendar looks more colorful. Yeah, exactly. It's more beautiful. It's a rainbow way. calendar. Let's go. And you know, on, on freedom... You know, finding freedom through intentionally choosing perspective, I think is powerful as hell. And I'm curious if you have any other golden nuggets on finding freedom. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think fear is the biggest constrictor Mm. on freedom right like fear is like we are naturally free we are free and wild fucking conscious beings like free and wild but we're put in this meat suit to have this experience and fear is introduced and fear is introduced for a lot of different ways fear is introduced on the physical side because this meat suit can get sick and die this meat suit can fall and die this meat suit can get hit by a car this lots of physical things can happen but the social dynamics which in the social imperative to procreate so things that are involving our potential mate you know becomes to a much elevated status and 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 fear is introduced into the system to help control so that we can optimize the opportunities to procreate because that's our kind of evolutionary meat suit biological imperative is to Mm -hmm. procreate and survive and fear is one of those control mechanisms that kind of tries to keep us in line and then we were also living in tribes and we needed the tribe to survive against the harshness of nature and other tribes. So the social dynamics even beyond relationship are rife when introduced with all of ton of fear. So the fear to be approved of by the rest of the tribe and the tribe now is a society at large. It could be your Instagram followers. It could be your friends. It could be your, you know, parents, your elders or whoever, right? Like 
So there's all of these fear mechanisms that are at play that are kind of trying to keep us towards the biological imperative to survive and procreate, but we've actually transcended the need to utilize fear to survive and procreate. What we really need to do is like thrive and make love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's really what our goal should be. And so fear doesn't doesn't play the role that it used to or needs to it's overstayed its welcome and it's now just limiting our freedom and keeping us from actually the real goal which is to thrive and to experience love you know and i think um so yeah becoming aware of fear and all of its different tentacles and all of the different ways that we're trying to have approval from others and you know increase our mating opportunities and prevent you know limitation of the physical being in any different way whether it's fear of getting sick or fear of whatever yeah. and like being aware of all of those compulsions and then remembering that inside us is a wild wild soul like yeah. a, just a wild collection of light just white fire you know that's that can't be contained and it's agreed to be held in this body for a little while but the wildfire is still going to exist beyond this and well beyond this and that's who we are is this wild force mm. and remembering that we're this wild force and that fear is just a temporary guide it's just like the bumpers on the bowling alley to try and keep us from going in the fucking gutter but we can throw strikes <laughs> yeah i think there's a, a bit of a paradox where you know as you said so beautifully Fear can essentially be the constrictor that, you know, the anal sphincter that doesn't allow any freedom out. Just had to go anal sphincter. <laughs> I know there's a lot of We haven't of other said ones. it once yet. So <laughs> there's a one anal sphincter per podcast limit. Pay tribute to the root chakra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So, and then I think fear can paradoxically be what gives rise to freedom when the fear is embraced, much like we were talking earlier off air how dog shit itself is like oh that's kind of shitty you stepped in it it's kind of gross it's just crappy but that dog shit is paradoxically what gives rise to the beauty of the flowers or the vegetables growing in the garden and i think when we can realize oh i've got this fear the realization of it is starting to set us into a greater freedom already because i think a lot of times when we're stuck in fear, I don't think we're stuck in fear. I think we're stuck in a fear of encountering our fears. Mm. So we're we're afraid to be afraid. And I think that keeps us stuck. And we're ashamed of our fear too. And the shame prevents yeah. us from acknowledging our fear, right? Because if we're the fearless one, if we're the courageous one, if we're the bold one, and we're like, I'm fucking scared. For sure. Then we think about ourselves differently. So shame will prevent us from admitting that, oh, fuck, I'm scared. And then we're afraid that we're ashamed of our fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Downward yeah. spiral here. Um, but man, I think when we can acknowledge our fear, have a, a conscious awareness of it, and then not just let that awareness be in our intellect, but like connect to it, connect to it through an embodiment of feeling our fucking fear. Now I don't think we have to be afraid of our fear because mm -hmm. we're we're being the fierce warrior, feeling the fear that a, a minute ago was constricting our freedom, keeping us a, a slave unto our own self. But now we're the fierce warrior, feeling our fear in our bodies. We're like 
sensations showing up in our gut, like, ah, I kind of want to throw up right now. Mm -hmm. Really afraid about this or, oh. But then I think that's what sets us free. I think feeling the fear and sometimes taking action anyway, and sometimes feeling the fear and just being in that fear soup until it dissipates. Just like if you have a cold, you're in the fucking cold and the fever until it dissipates. And I think it's that way sometimes with fear. Yet paradoxically, you embrace the fear with awareness and embodiment. I think now you have freedom growing from that fear. Yeah, I think that's beautifully put because I think this kind of, you know, you can tend to listening to my little diatribe on fear and freedom. You could try to spiritually bypass fear by recognizing it's not real. And I think it is good to have the perspective of the of the consciousness that we actually are. But then at the same time, embra- really like embracing that fear and not trying to run from it and pretend that it's not there. Like the the people who've done the most courageous things, the highest operators, the Tim Kennedys of the world, like none of them are going to say they're fearless. They're like, no, like fear is an essential part of who we are. And you recognize that. Like I remember when I would do um, theater for for Richmond, University of Richmond, and we'd play these do these plays for Richmond. Like before you get out on stage, I mean, your whole body is just lit up. Similar to basketball, when you're just listening to the national anthem, and you got to like sit there, and you got your rival high school across the thing, and, and it is this kind of life force to that if you embrace it and yeah. if you allow it to be, and then you step and ideally you step forward and use it as that way shower and step forward like, okay, you know, here we go. I'm going out on stage. And then you erupt with your roar, which may be your first line, or it may be that first rebound you grab, or it may be whatever that thing is. But yeah, man, I think embracing is the only way. And there is no avoiding, there is no bypassing. There's none of that shit. It's just embracing the whole totality, the whole gamut. Of all that's there yeah i i think when we don't embrace the fear not only is lack of lack of freedom uh a result but i think anxiousness and depression uh we're gonna have one or the other maybe both i think anxiousness is trying to avoid the unavoidable inside and then depression is just shutting down so mm. that we don't have the the capacity to feel it and I know for myself, when I'm backstage before a comedy show, I mean, what I've been doing is trying to purposely find my fear, which oftentimes is almost synonymous with excitement. It's I don't know if it's the same thing or they're both in there together, but I'll find the fear. And usually it's like, ooh, tingles right here under my rib cages. It, rib cages, like I have three <laughs> of them. But I'll find the fear and I'll go into the sensation. I'll, I'll go because that's power. Yeah. And I think we leak the power and we get all anxious trying to avoid it. So it's weird how, you know, my experience is the more I actually intentionally go into my fears, the more it lessens my anxiety before going on stage and connects me with what feels like a hell of a lot of power. I think trying to avoid the fear you then show up impotent you're mm. you know your power is castrated. yeah you're withdrawn and, I, and i've played games like that and i've watched fighters who i've known you know go into that realm where it's like they don't embrace the gravity of the moment the fear of holy shit i'm about to go into the cage and fight in 
front of an audience. There's money on the line. There's my career on the line and there's my health on the line. And, and they're kind of like in this little shell and the shell is the non-embracement of fear. And then there's the other people who are just, and I look for that when I watch, you know, the great champions, the great fighters, as they walk out, they're like breathing the air and sniffing it. And they're like in it, they're in all of those feelings and, and emotions. And, and I think that's, that's the fucking way. You know, because there is there is immense power in all of the elements of polarity, and it's just our resistance and our shyness to it that actually creates. You know, it's like a dampening of the experience, but it makes our whole expression more impotent. You know, it denies us and what is impotent, like the denial of our power. Yeah. You know, and I think that is it's us shying away, being small to not express that. Oh wow, I'm in this fucking wild world of polarity and let me embrace the power and the wind and the stormy seas that are all gnarly and whatever and let's fucking go um as it is in relationships as well i (laughs) i know when my lady amber she's got a lot of strength and power and fire and it can scare the shit out of me sometimes (laughs) so you know when she's upset like she's so in touch with it like she she doesn't hide it and and when i like even within a conversation with her when she's fired up if i try to avoid her her anger her power like it castrates me so like i might be like trying to people please her like let me just comfort you let me not speak my truth trying to like just make everything okay real fast again so I don't have to be scared is in those moments, I am not showing up like a real man. I mean, I'm like literally showing up like a, a castrated little boy mm. in front of her. And I, I think I rob my wife of her real man of a husband in those moments. And I rob myself of my integrity and I rob myself connection with my wife uh, in those moments when I'm afraid to embrace the fires of fear with her i actually find it way easier to let's embrace the fears going out on stage in front of hundreds of people like yeah it's still exhilarating but that's easy but when i look into the eyes of my beloved and i see fire i'm like Mm. holy shit this is (laughs) this scares me to death and doing the thing anyway that scares us to death i think is how we find new life within ourselves. and i think Anger is another adaptation to fear that I think is something to be mindful of because anger creates separation, which actually takes you from the fire of the potential fear, right? Like, because if you're angry, like anger actually diminishes fear because it puts you in this state of aggression that actually creates distance and the unrecognition of self as vulnerable and the unrecognition of others as self and as vulnerable and as human and and removes you from compassion and and all these other things that can actually create more fear so like being mindful to receive that but not use both the cowering which is again impotent and in in the way that you had and then the return of anger which is the separation like well i don't fucking care about you that much anyway so this doesn't scare me because i'm angry and you're being you're being this way and whatever like anger is another way it's another way of another form of cowardice to a certain degree right which is like 
I'm going to make you in my head matter less. I'm going to create more distance with my anger, which is going to diminish my fear. So whew, I don't have to feel fear, but my expression is going to be aggressive rather than depressive. But really, it's just another adaptation of not embracing the actual thing that's there, which is yeah. fear. And I think although so many wise people throughout the ages have said, look at an angry person and you're looking at someone who's actually afraid. And I think that there's also virtue when we are angry, letting ourselves be angry, realizing what you yeah, said yeah. is true. Like, yes, I'm creating separation. Yes, this anger is a form of cowardice because I, I don't have the courage and the connection to my real fear right now. But meeting it at the level of anger, it is maybe where we're at in any given moment. Rather than denying it and being ashamed of your anger and then compressing it and then holding it in and yeah. then letting it become a disease state or an explosion later. So now you've got separation, <laughs> time separation of anger. Yeah. And then where was that fear originally? Yeah. Fear, is that yeah. even still in there? Uh -huh. But yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, I think the wise person is aware uh, when I'm angry or when someone's angry, let me hear the message that's not being spoken. Let me like have the compassion and connection to how they're afraid right now or how I'm afraid if I'm just being angry or giving someone yeah. the cold shoulder. That's typically how I express anger. I'll just <laughs> cold shoulder because I'm too scared to be outwardly angry. <laughs> Yeah, that asking yourself, I think really the practice in anger, asking yourself, what am I afraid of? Like like that practice to like, if you can have that awareness, I mean, that's hard when you're angry because anger focuses your attention. It actually draws blood. If you're a man, and, and I don't know about maybe women too, but it draws blood into your knuckles hmm. so that you're more prepared to like use your hands in defense. It like creates all of these adaptations to the human organism for a very focused encounter that might be aggressive or might be avertive, you know, to a certain degree. And, and I think asking yourself like, Oh, okay. What am I afraid of? If it's the anger that's turning physical, okay, well maybe I'm afraid that, something is in me is going to be harmed or somebody's pride is going to be wounded or somebody's going to get hurt I, that i love or maybe i'm afraid of or and if it's you or getting angry at your significant other it's like well maybe i'm afraid they don't love me or maybe yeah. i'm afraid that i'm being taken advantage of or maybe i'm afraid that i'm not being seen or maybe i'm afraid that i'm blah 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 and then because it's always fear yeah and then so like driving that back to that can help you kind of solve your your at least find the root cause of a lot of these anger issues. Hundred percent, and I think also looking under the the rug of unmet expectations can at times reveal some of the things we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about when when you're walking along and someone jumps out from behind a, a corner and scares you. You know, you, you have the fear response because your expectations weren't met. You were expecting like, oh, just peace and calm going ahead another three feet but there was a different reality relative to the unconscious expectation we had and and i think that can be very true in our relationships we get scared when our expectations weren't met and the reality might have turned out better than our expectations but still like i was scared because i was expecting something different now i'm scared to be scared so now i'm angry and now I'm afraid of my anger, so now I'm just shut down and sociopathically <laughs> numb. Well, man, we did it.
Yeah, brother. Thank you for having me in. Thank you Thanks for, for coming, brother. being you, shining your your real light. I, I love how you don't create some kind of false guru-ness around you. I love it when you share the shit that comes out of your butt. I love <laughs> it when you share the shine that comes out of your third eye. I think the both of those are what make you just a, a beautiful person, my friend. So thank you for the acknowledgement, brother. I can I can genuinely say the same for you and and all the laughter that you've shared with so many different people. I mean, it's it's uh when people know that we hang out and we get to do stuff like that, like the overwhelmingly positive response that you have from random people. And it's just hours of them just fucking chuckling at their computer or wherever they've been. So Thank you as well, my brother. For sure. And I, I appreciate <laughs> just draw this goodbye out for another 45 yeah, let's minutes. Let's do it. But it's it, like a fucking Monty Python. Just on that, <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep this going. On that note of laughter, I realized like, I don't think I've made anybody laugh during this podcast. <laughs> and I like that. I, I really do. Like, yeah, man, I, it feels good to be here in the real vibe with you. Yeah. Though I will mention, Harbor, you've had this very girly scented candle going the whole time. So I think that's worth that's honorable mention. Yeah, it's, it's estrogenic. Keeps, uh, keeps us in our divine feminine. I felt like I had ingested a lot of soy during this. So yeah, brother, thank you for being you and inviting me in. Of course, brother. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Make sure to follow JP Sears, Awaken with JP. Check out his podcast. Check out his videos. And of course, if you're interested in anything on it, go to onit.com slash Aubrey, lock in your 10% discount. And that way people know that people are listening to my podcast and still interested in Onnit products. So it's double awesome for me as well and the podcast and help support everything. So definitely, you know, when you're going to shop at Onnit, go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, get your discount and, uh, and just browse from there and check out all the cool stuff we got. We're constantly coming out with awesome things. And I'm, you know, I'm just packing for California before recording this outro and I'm just packing my bag full of Onnit stuff. This is a real genuine part of my life. And uh, hopefully you guys can find some tools and things that you guys enjoy too. So thank you so much. Appreciate you dropping in and I will see you next week.